four. Make room. Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. There's another seven-time champ. Jimmy Johnson wins his seventh NASCAR Spring Cup Championship. Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. I am so excited for this one. As many of you know who have been following the show, I'm an avid NASCAR fan. I am joined today by the one, the only, Rick Allen. Thank you, Rick, so much for being here. I really appreciate it. No problem, Rob. Looking forward to chatting with you for a while. I have to get it out of my head, that iconic voice that I'm hearing right now. It's like I, I got to just power through, but it's really cool to have your uh, your voice in the show. So it's, I, and that probably sounds so weird for you, but here we go. I get it a lot. I hear that a lot. <laughs> Rick serves as the lead race announcer for NBC Sports, for NASCAR, for the Cup Series, as well as the Xfinity Series, alongside analysts Jeff Burton, Steve Letarte, Dale Earnhardt Jr. During your tenure at NBC Sports, you've also called for the IndyCar Series, as well as Global Rally Cross and a whole bunch of other amazing sports. But I want to take it from the beginning. And I know from my research for today that you had a bit of a, a winding, unexpected road. Take me from the beginning. How did this whole thing start? How did you get to where you are today? Definitely not the normal task or uh, trip that people would take uh, to get to broadcasting on, I guess, network. I started off as an athlete at the University of Nebraska. Um, I was a decathlete, and I grabbed a microphone on occasion, and people would say, man, you got a great voice. You got to think about doing something with broadcasting. Never really thought about it until um, I had graduated and once I graduated, I thought, well, maybe I should just be a broadcaster or like a public address announcer. And so I asked if I could be a part of the University of Nebraska athletic department as the PA announcer. And one thing led to another. Uh, they gave me the job. And so I was the PA announcer for the University of Nebraska football, basketball, just pretty much any sport I was the PA announcer for. And I did that for uh about 10 years and in the process of that um a gentleman that owned a racetrack uh, just outside of lincoln nebraska asked me if i would come and announce his races at his dirt track uh, and that was eagle raceway and i told him i didn't know anything about racing uh but he said you know i love your personality you got a great voice um please come out and just take a look and see you know if it's something you'd want to do and at the time uh, my wife and I were uh, just getting started with a family and money was very thin. And so my wife said, you know, you ought to do it. And so every Friday and Saturday night um, during the summer, I was at a dirt track announcing racing. And then a NASCAR official showed up uh, the second year that I was there and said, hey, uh, Fox Sports and NBC Sports are looking for new fresh faces um, for pit reporters, you should send a demo tape in. And I didn't even know what a demo tape was. So I uh, didn't send anything in. And about two weeks later, the owner of the track said, hey, um, the guy from NASCAR is asking for your demo tape. And I told him, I said, I don't have a demo tape. I don't have anything. And he said, well, just send him something. Right. And so I had done a commercial with Barry Switzer and Tom Osborne, um, a cellular phone commercial. And I put that on a tape. And then I think I sent some some of the race calls uh, from there at the dirt track. And I just sent that to NASCAR. And I got a phone call from uh, the producer at NBC Sports and one of the uh, assistant producers at Fox Sports. And the producer at NBC Sports knew um, 
that I'd never done anything with TV or radio. And so pretty much said, yeah, you're too green. We're looking for somebody with more experience. Um, but the Fox sports guy said, you know, would you want to come audition? And I said, sure. So they flew me to Charlotte and I auditioned with, uh, I auditioned with probably about 10 or 15 guys. And one of them was Daryl Walter. He was going to be a part of the Fox broadcast team. So they had him auditioning with everybody. And when I sat down, uh, I sat down next to Daryl and I said, hello, Mr. Walter. My name is Rick Schwieger. And he kind of looked at me and <laughs> went back to looking at, you know, papers or whatever. And he looks back and he goes, there ain't no Schwiegers in NASCAR. And I <laughs> right away, I was like, oh boy, this is going to be great. <laughs> so camera started rolling and uh, they count down and I'm, you know, sitting next to Daryl Waltrip and I start my little spiel of hello, everyone. Welcome to Charlotte Motor Speedway. A long time, the three-time Winston Cup champion, Daryl Waltrip. I'm Rick Yarborough. And he starts laughing and he, he's like, wait a second. He goes, you can't change your name in the middle of a show. <laughs> and we, we did probably three or four or five takes. And every time I would change my name and I would just be somebody that was a NASCAR name, you know, so I was Rick Petty or I was Rick Allison or I That's was, awesome. you know, whatever. And he laughed every time. And so we had a big joke out of that. But um, at the end of that audition, Fox Sports said, uh, we love your voice. They said, you've got, you know, uh, great, great tones, uh, great voice. You're just too green when it comes to television. I said, I totally understand. And he said, they said, we'll call you. Back. I said, okay, no big deal. So I went home and I didn't think anything of it. And about six months later, the head of Fox sports, uh, the chairman, uh, David Hill called my cell phone and said, Hey, we want you to come back on audition. And I was like, okay, that'd be great. So I went back. It was in December, uh, just before Fox started the season. And I auditioned again um, as the studio host, which Chris Myers took that role and is now in it. Uh, but once again, it was Jeff Hammond and Daryl Waltrip. And we just struck a really good rapport. And so fast forward two years. And I once again got a phone call from David Hill. And David Hill said, hey, we're... We're getting the truck series and we'd like you to be the play-by-play -play announcer for the truck series. And so I went back out to Charlotte and auditioned again. And they said, yep, you're our guy. And they also said, uh, like Rob, you had mentioned, a lot of times they ask you to move to Charlotte because there's going to be more things to do in the NASCAR world in the Charlotte area. And so when I told my wife, you know, what they had said, she said, let's do it. Because our kids were very young at the time, um, three and four, actually. And so uh, we just uprooted from Nebraska and moved wow. to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I guess the rest is history. So started off as the Craftsman Truck Series play-by-play -play announcer. And now um, I work for Fox Sports for almost 11 years. And now I'm in my, I think it's, uh, this will be the 10th year with NBC. So I'm... 21 years flying. into this. Yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> the purpose of this podcast is really for people that are just setting out on their journey. And I think people, they pick and choose what they want to hear. They hear the part about you getting the phone call, moving to North Carolina, getting the big opportunity. But did you ever feel like you weren't cut out for it or wasn't going to work out? And, and when you finally got to that place where you sort of got that call and were able to really 
prove yourself, what was that experience like? So my aspirations to be in broadcasting were never there uh, until, you know, Fox Sports, I guess, interviewed me. And yeah. so it wasn't, I wasn't disappointed uh, at all with what I was doing. I loved college athletics. I loved being a part of the athletic department at the University of Nebraska. I was working full time there. I still wasn't doing anything really in either radio or television. Yeah. And so it was never really any, there was never a frustrating time, I don't think. Yeah. Um, with the exception, I guess I wouldn't call it frustrating, but working with Fox Sports, um, I guess my mentality, my my personality is I've always wanted to be, um, I've always wanted to be the absolute best at what I do. And right. so I work really hard. Um, I study, I, you know, try to figure out what I can do better on every show. And I guess after being with Fox for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, I was kind of thinking, you know, I, I want to do cup racing. And so right. I, I thought, you know, I would be in line uh, for Mike Joy's job. And as I, you know, continued to progress and the, the TV contracts kept getting renewed and things happened, um, I wasn't being considered for that. And I mean, Mike Joy's phenomenal. He's an icon in the sport. He's been around forever. I guess when NBC got the rights and they called me, that was probably the highlight, you know, because they, I didn't call them. They called me and said, you know, we want you to be a part of our broadcast team. Uh, and so that's kind of what I work for. I, I really have not ever sought out a job. I've been called uh, pretty much every time I've ever had a job in, and advancement, uh, I've been asked if I you know, want that position. And that's kind of the way I want to do it. I want people to see, you know, that I'm a hard worker, uh, that I put in, you know, as much time as anyone to try to be better at my craft. And I hope that, you know, that comes across not only in the broadcast, but then obviously with my bosses that they realize that, you know, I'm doing everything I can to be the best that there is at what I do. Absolutely. And that, you know, as, as far as me being a fan, that totally comes across. You know, I'd like to kind of segue actually from that into I'm curious about what the day looks like for you on, on race day. As much of the how the sausage is made that you can give with, <laughs> without giving anything away, you know, uh, what's that what's that experience like for you? I'm sure you get this question all the time. I can give everything away. Uh, all right. Here we go. So for race day, race day is really I don't want to downplay it, but race day is maybe the simplest part for me uh, because race day, you start off, you know, Latart and I, or Latart Burton and I, we normally travel all together. So we'll get up, have coffee or breakfast or something uh, in the morning, depending upon when our production meeting is going to be, but we always have a production meeting to start the day off. Um, and that's getting everybody uh, with that's within the truck that is on a headset that can either talk to me or that communicates with each other to put on our show. That's our production meeting. And so we all get together and that meeting normally takes about anywhere from a half hour to 45 minutes. And we run through uh, our what's called rundown. And it's more or less a map of how we want our show to start 
So what we do is, you know, we know what the segments are going to be. Uh, we know what the video is going to be. We know who we're interviewing. Uh, we map out how the start of the show goes all the way up to the green flag. Because we can predict all of that. The green flag is when it falls on me, Steve, Jeff, and Junior to then call the action that we see. And I call what takes place in front of us. And Junior, Jeff, and Steve explain why it's happening. Uh, and so that's the makeup of our team. And so on a race day, you know, it's just uh, there are very few things that I write uh, because I just I think it's more conversational to just say things uh, that you're thinking. I'll put notes up in front of uh, in front of me, you know, near the camera so that I look like I'm looking at the camera, but maybe have a, a, a note or two about what Steve is going to talk about, what Jeff's going to talk about, what Junior's going to talk about. Just have that in front of me so that, you know, sometimes there's so many things going on, you, you get a brain cramp and you forget. I mean, there's just so many things happening at once that you have to kind of have a, a pretty good idea of what's going to take place. And so, that's why we have the production meeting so that we know, you know, how everything is going to happen, what's going to, what's going to take place. Um, and with that also, uh, and this is uh, junior brought it up. It's uh, it's something that I've just always done. And I, when he did play by play at could have been Michigan or someplace, I can't remember where he was. Maybe it was New Hampshire. Um, but I had told him, I said, whatever you do, make sure you keep, a rundown for the pre-race show because even though you know I don't host the pre-race show and Junior doesn't host the pre-race show, I said there's always that possibility that something could happen, uh, either you know a lightning strike or something where the you know the people that are doing the pre-race show can't do it and they'll ask you to do it from the booth. The booth. I, I remember and this. It, yeah, I, I remember and it did happen. Time. It yeah. did happen one time, and Junior, you know, said he goes. The only way I would have known to do what I did is because, you know, Rick had told me, hey, make sure you take a rundown for that show. Because, you know, a lot of times I'm focused solely on the race and the broadcast of the race. But I also know that in the big picture, I'm the lead voice for this team. And you've got to be ready to do whatever happens. So we're on TV no matter what uh, at X time. And people are expecting to see us. And so um, if we have technical difficulties with, uh, say, the Peacock Pit Box or something like that, they'll come to me or they'll come to, you know, Junior, whoever's, you know, doing play-by-play -play at the time. And so that's just – that was one of those lessons that um, I learned really early on because I, I know that that's – you just always prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And right. so that's that's kind of the mentality that I've always taken into TV. And so I take that into the the normal production day, the normal um, race day. Just be prepared for anything that could possibly happen. For sure. You know, you mentioned about all the people that are working behind the scenes. And I, I would imagine it's the sort of thing like it takes a village. And I've been fortunate enough over the, over the last couple of years with the good people at NASCAR, you know, Nicole Cruz uh, more recently through the Sasha Group and all these amazing companies that have allowed me to get an inside look, you know, the, the hot pass now referred to as the VIP pass. 
getting an, a bird's eye view of, and that's only just a, a portion of it, but of, of what it looks like with all the logistics and the things that need to go into making that broadcast work. I really don't think that most people understand the scope of the scale of it and everything. And even, you know, pit reporters and people, you know, there's like, they're holding this thing with all the numbers on it. And that you know, there's the booth, there's the trucks, there's the lighting, there's, you know, like I think about, I was just at, uh, in Charlotte and, and, you know, Clint Boyer is trying to like run. So, sorry. I'm talking about the, uh, the other, uh, the other company. That's there. Fine. Uh, but fine. you know, Clint Boyer is trying to run through something and figure out like what the bit is going to be like, what this thing that they're going to do is. And 17 people are trying to talk to him sort of thing. And it's, you know, navigating all of that. Then in, in your position, I would imagine that, you know, you're, yes, you're in the booth, but there are so many people that are vying for your attention, trying to talk like what shot we're go you're going to, how does that part of it work? Like, how is it that you're able to have so many people, so many moving parts, and then have something that to me as the viewer seems like this cohesive, effortless thing? Like, are people talking in your ear, like ha commercial? How does that all, that part of it work? So like, like you right now, Rob, are wearing a headset. Uh, mm -hmm. We wear a headset and in one ear, I have program. So I can hear what everybody that's on TV is saying. So that's pit reporters. That is everybody in the booth. That's in one of my ears. The other ear is to the truck. And I can hear our producer. Um, I can hear anybody in the truck because they can key me up anytime. So I might have somebody from graphics or somebody from a replay um, other than our producer can talk to me and can ask me questions. And I can talk back to them in uh, what is a talk back button, more or less. I push it so that I don't go out uh, onto program. And so one of the things that I have been pretty good at and I learned really early on was being able to listen and talk at the same time. I got so, a headache just thinking about that. While <laughs> I'm talking and I, you know, you're laughing or I've got a producer right. that's talking in my ear, he might be, or she uh, this year, might be uh, explaining to me that we're getting ready to go to a replay and get me there. And so while I'm discussing the action that's taking place on the track, in my ear, I'm hearing, we've got a replay of Eric Almarola, and he is he's bumping into Austin Dillon. It's a great replay. We're going to that in three, two, one. And so I will be saying, you know, out here, out front, you see Kyle Busch is racing, but a lot of bumping and banging going on in the back. As a matter of fact, Eric Almarola, Austin Dillon just got into it. Here's what happened. And so that is how I would then transition and we go to that replay. And while it's happening, the other guys are talking um, and explaining why it happened or what took place. Um, but I, and also when anytime we get ready to go to a commercial break, my producer will talk in my ear and say, okay, we're, we're looking for a break. And then he'll say, okay, going to break in eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And so I need to be finished with whatever I'm saying when he says one, so that I don't get cut off or I don't try to talk too long or all that kind of stuff. So that's just, uh, there are 200 people that are a part of our broadcast. Every single person can hear either me or the producer. Uh, and I say me, program. So the program or our producer, every single person can hear us. So if we say, if, you know, if we're saying, hey, you know what, um, 
goat. He's one of our on the on pit road. He's one of our cameramen. I could say, you know, there's goat down there, and goat has to have had a great shot of what just took place on pit road, where you know we just saw um, you know Clint Boyer sliding into the wall, and goat can hear me say that, and like he'll be on it or whatever. The next thing you know, we'll be showing a shot of that. And I said, there, you know, that's Goat's camera right there. Um, and it doesn't happen that way normally. What happens is our director says, okay, you know, this is the shot that we've got or those types of things. But everybody is in constant communication. That's key with television or any, I think, um, broadcast. You have to be able to communicate and listen to everything that everybody is saying so that you can bring it all together and then distribute it the most efficient way to the fans that are watching. When you go to the race, you realize how long the race is. And the whole time that I'm there, I'm thinking to myself, it's so crazy to think that somewhere up in that, in that big building up there, those guys have been talking this whole time. Be honest with me. <laughs> are there ever times where you're like, this is a long, especially for you, like you're talking the whole time. Question number one is, are there times where it seems like it's too long? And then question number two is, what do you do in those moments where the laps are kind of ticking on by and not a whole lot's happening? What are some of the ways that you, as the person leading the thing, are, are can maybe generate some interest? So, yes, shows can get, uh, they can drag on and they can get taxing. But I think one of the, the great attributes of the NBC broadcast team is we know that we're in the business of entertainment. And so if a driver is out front and they've led, you know, a hundred of 105 laps up to this point, and they haven't been challenged, we know that there's racing everywhere else. Uh, there's racing on the racetrack at some point and somewhere. And so we will go to that. We'll go to that racing and find it. And we'll always keep our eye on the leader and make sure that we know, you know, what's taking place there. But we always want to find the entertaining parts. And when it does drag on and when you do have times where you think, oh, my gosh, you know, we've been sitting here talking about this one person forever. Um, there's that's where that's where the research and the the studying comes into play because that's where you bring up a story um you can you can tell a personal story about someone uh and it doesn't have to be about the guy that's leading or the guy that just was in a, a tight battle uh, i can you know get in my talk back and say let's go back to say michael mcdowell and let me tell a story about uh michael mcdowell or uh i was you know working on a you know a nascar foundation project um with x driver and i can talk about how you know we built a swing set for a kid and he was you know or he or she was a part of that project and so those are things that you interject that kind of um, those stories to make sure that it's not it is it doesn't feel like somebody's you know sitting there going oh my gosh i can't wait for this to be over they want i want to make sure that when somebody's watching a race our broadcast is better than the race that that's kind of our goal um yeah. our leader always says you know we may have a terrible race but we never want to have a terrible broadcast and so that's 
the mentality that we go into races, even if it's long. I mean, you think about the very first race that NBC Sports did um, when I was play-by-play, Jeff uh, and Steve were just starting, uh, was the Daytona 400, uh, the summer race at Daytona. It had gotten rained out. Uh, we had gone – it felt like we were on the air. I think we were on the air for like eight hours. Uh, <laughs> it, and, I mean, it. the race ended, I think, at 2 or 3 in the morning. And it was when Austin Dillon, we thought Austin Dillon may have died in the right. crash, you know, with Dale Jr. winning the race. Dale Earnhardt Jr. to the bottom of the track. Jr. will win in Daytona. And the big one happens behind them. Oh, my God. Austin Dillon into the catch fence. All the crews getting out to that car to assist these drivers. Thumbs going up from all the crew members and the crowd roars. It was one of those where um, we got done with that race and we got done with that broadcast. And I remember my boss, you know, kind of pulling me aside after that race. And he goes, you know, that's why we hired you. Because when that big moment happened, we were on it. I mean, it was three in the morning and probably the most horrific thing had just taken place. And we had energy. We were on it. And then we gave it its proper respect of, you know, you lay out. You never assume anything. You wait until, you know, everything plays out. And I think we did it just right. And so that's that was one of those situations where you've got to be able to be prepared for anything and nobody is prepared. No, no one is prepared for somebody uh, not living in one of these events. And that was one where you just, you, you put a little bit of a somber tone on it until you know that it's going to be okay. And then you move on. And that's what we did with Austin that day, uh, which what a great scene, you know, seeing the crew members give a thumbs up and him yeah. climbing out and, you know, waving to the crowd. It was like unbelievable from, oh, my gosh, you know, he might not be alive to, wow, you know, we just witnessed something incredible. I always get chills when I hear, you know, you say, you know, the crowd and the crowd roars. I'm not going to try to imitate it, but like the crowd. That always gets me going or like side by side to the line. Like whenever I hear like anytime anybody says side by side in my head, I literally hear your voice side by side for the lead down the back stretch. The energy is, is, is really there. The enthusiasm is there. And there's an element of storytelling with it and these phrases and stuff like that. How much are you thinking about sort of the routine of what you say or, or and how much of that is just rolling off and just <clears throat> habit? Most of it is habit um, and routine. I have catchphrases that I try to stay away from. I say the word incredible too much. Uh, mm-hmm. Now that I've said that, you're going to hear <laughs> and you're going to listen and go, oh, he, don't, he does say incredible a lot. Um, I try to break myself of that, of having you know a catchphrase. A lot of people have catchphrases. They say, you know, or um. In our 
society, we don't like to have dead time. And mm -hmm. so people use words that are familiar to them and that it's easy for them to just regurgitate and say to kill that dead time. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people feel like they have to talk all the time. Me being in this industry and this being my job, I believe I don't have to talk all the time. And I like to listen to the Nat sounds. I like to just enjoy the sound of a racetrack, mm. the sound of the crowd when something happens. Um, I say, um, and <laughs> when, for example, Joey Logano, Matt Kenseth at Martinsville, Joey Logano leading the race, Matt Kenseth comes out, he wrecks them. And Kenseth cleared by Logano, maybe no, Kenseth takes him out. Me being in the stands, the first thing that I could feel was the crowd was overpowering any sound that was on the racetrack, and it's loud. Logano into the wall. Caution comes out, and the crowd roars. And immediately, I knew I had to just let that go. Let the let the people at home hear the crowd roaring for what Matt Kenseth had just done. So that was part of my call. I try to do that, you know, let people understand or get a feel for what it's like at a racetrack. And so the more that we can let the crowd, you know, be the ambient noise or let the cars, you know, take over as far as uh, the noise that people hear at home, I think it gives the viewer at home a little better understanding of what the energy is like. And so that's where when I when I'm at a racetrack, I feed off of the energy that I see on the racetrack and that I feel in the grandstands. So I know that there are fans that are going crazy for, say, uh, Bubba Wallace. When Bubba Wallace is out front at Kansas and they're thinking, oh, my gosh, Bubba Wallace is going to win this race and the crowd is getting excited, I get excited with them. The gap, though, between he and second, 1.3 seconds. Bubba Wallace coming up on the white flag. One lap to go. Presented by Credit One Bank. His final time through three and four. He's going to do it. Bubba Wallace wins at Kansas. What's it going to say now, baby? Let's go! Like, this is great stuff. And so that's the... That's kind of the feel and the, the energy that I feed off of. Um, I feed off of my producer. Uh, when he talks to me in my ear, if he's talking to me like, well, we're just here at the racetrack, you know, I tell him, hey, you got to step your game up here. I'm listening to you uh, just like I do with, with Junior Jeff and Steve. I say, guys, you know, let's, let's bring it here. We're getting a little bit down. We got to keep the energy up. And so we'll all feed off of each other. And that's one of the best parts about our team is that we have great energy. We all love what we do. Yeah. Th th those two go, <laughs> do you ever have to kind of reel that man? Are you ever like, Hey guys, like <laughs> we are on TV here. <laughs> they, they get excited. Like Dell Jr. And Burton they're they can get a couple octaves up when they, you know, are like, Oh my gosh, did you just see that? I mean, you gotta, you gotta bring them down just a little bit, but yeah. still, I love that. I mean, and I think fans love it too. You know, it makes a great, it makes a great contrast for your voice though. I just want to say like, as, as somebody who's sometimes like, I'm a huge Dale jr. Fan. I'm like, 
knocking down the door to work with like dirty mo media and i'm talking to some of the people there i love junior so this is not at all like a shot or anything but like sometimes they get a little bit crazy i i love uh the the sort of the the base contrast of your voice because sometimes it's like the two of them are like way up here and i love it like they to me they're like my childhood hero so i love it but as somebody who is like listening you know when i'm watching it with a friend who doesn't watch nascar there's a there's a a level of professionalism there that I, I think sometimes like you really are like the anchor in that. And it's, it creates this sort of interesting dynamic. And I think it's actually a, a really a good thing. Cause like, you seem like the adult, <laughs> I, don't I don't mean this in a bad way, but you really see like, you know, like you're the professional, you know, you're like the, the NBC voice, like you're looking wow. to hear and something like that. Whereas with them, and that's like, what my job yeah, is. Right. Yeah. That's good. It's a great dynamic. I, I personally, I love it. I think it's great. We yeah. have to have, and, and that's why um, that's why at the end of the race, you're only going to hear my voice. The mm -hmm. last lap of the race or the last, you know, 30 seconds or 20 seconds or whatever it is of a race, you're going to hear my voice calling that because I that's like the that. time. That, and and it's funny, we it, it's called Rick time. Um, and the producer will even get in everybody's ear and he'll go, all right, guys, it's Rick time. And They'll just lay out and let me call the end of the race because ultimately um, you had just referenced that on YouTube, you know, there's a bunch of my calls on there or people who put compilations together. Historically, every race that NASCAR has ever done that has been broadcast, there is a copy or a recording of the end of that race and whether it, and, and I'll, I'll kind of poke a stick a little bit at um, some of our competitors, whether it's uh, three people trying to talk at the same time at the end of a race, which makes it very confusing and not really, you know, something that you want to play over and over again, historically, or uh, for example, uh, my call at Miami with Jimmy Johnson, you know, make room Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. There's another seven time champion. Jimmy Johnson through three and four. Make room, Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. There's another seven-time champ. Jimmy Johnson wins his seventh NASCAR Sprint Cup Championship. You know, those are those are things that I know historically. That's something that can be played over and over and over, and people will understand, oh my gosh, okay, he just won the seventh championship. That's why uh, that was said. I think a lot of times people get so excited and the analysts get excited in the booth at the end of a race and they all want to jump in. Right, and they want to get that sound bite. Like, how do you ever yeah. know I've never? They want that thing for themselves. All that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, if there was, if it was a time when I thought it would be better for Junior or better for Jeff Burton or like, I'm telling you right now, if Harrison Burton is leading a race and he's coming to the finish line, it's going to be a good time. There's a great chance I'll get in, I'll get in talk back and I'll say, Jeff, I want you to call this one. Bring him home. That's your son out there. And so that'll be, and that's something that, that I'll either say or our producer's going to say or whatever. We'll feel it out. Sometimes Jeff gets emotional and doesn't want to talk. I mean, he's stepped back before when we've done Xfinity races and Harrison has won them or Harrison has been involved in something. Jeff's very good at being professional like that. But I'm also looking at it from a historic standpoint and an entertainment standpoint. 
And if I think it would be more entertaining for Dale Jr. to call it at the end or Jeff Burton or Steve Letard, whoever is, you know, in that situation, I, you know, I could make that call and say, I'm going to let you take it. You, you take it from here. You bring him home. Um, but for the most part, that's my job. My job is to lead this broadcast. And that's what I'm paid to do. And so I'm always going to do that unless I feel like something could be better than what I could do uh, as far as bringing the race to a conclusion. One of the ones that I love that you said with Jeff Gordon winning at Homestead, I'm a big Jeff Gordon fan. I'm like the Rainbow Warrior generation. Uh, <laughs> I'm showing my bias here. I know you, you can't do that, but I can. Love you, Jeff Gordon. No. Uh, please come on the show. Jeff Gordon winning at home. Sorry, I'm at Martinsville. I just said Homestead. Yep. At Martinsville. The storybook ending. He's going to punch his ticket to the championship for Jeff Gordon looking for a storybook ending to the 2015 season. Out of three and four. This win's going to punch his ticket to the championship four. Gordon wins to Martinsville. I remember that feeling in tears, my whole family jumping up and down. As somebody who is a NASCAR fan, to have those moments that Ricky Craven, you know, uh, Darrell Waltrip, have you ever know I've never continuing the legacy of NASCAR and 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 what that looks like going forward. You know, some people say to go back to the past. Some people want more future facing stuff like that. But how do you personally go about getting people to get into the sport? We know uh, that there are rising stars in this sport and that the medium that people uh, continue to digest the sport is changing. So streaming is becoming very popular. Uh, network television is always going to be popular. And I think we'll especially, always especially be NBC. of the sport. <laughs> uh, and we hope that NBC is, is a part of the sport for a long, long time. But we always have to think about who is our target audience and who is going to continue to watch and maybe we bring in new people. And so that's why we go into the weeds. Uh, I'll use that cliche with explaining certain things, but then also we really use kind of the 101 expla explanation of other things because we know that not every fan that's watching is somebody who is going to understand camber and loose or tight or the things that drivers say or the things that crew chiefs say. Um, so we always want to give as broad a picture of what's taking place on the track so that if a new fan is watching, they can go, oh, cool. I have no idea uh, that that's what was happening. And if a veteran fan, um, a, a person who's watched NASCAR all their lives, that's where a story that, you know, ties, say, Ty Dillon with Dale Earnhardt, um, where you can bring the past to the present uh, and talk about, you know, the relationships that, that drivers, say, a young driver now had with a veteran driver. And that you can continue to bring people that were uh, historians of the sport they can then also learn about, you know, the new things of the sport. This car right now 
is as close to um, a, a more modern car than we've been in a really, really long time. I mean, a really long time. NASCAR had been so, I guess, just in the in the past, so archaic with the car not changing and being like what you know you could go buy at the store um, at a dealership right now. That I think that's one of the things that we can now, you know, with Steve Letarte and the and the graphics and the tools that we have, you know, we can explain things that somebody goes, oh yeah, I get that, I, I understand that right. because. That's what my car is. Um, and so we have to have that balance of anytime a new viewer is watching, we don't want to lose them because we say something that they're like, I don't get this. I don't understand it. You know, we want to make sure that that new viewer goes, oh, that's cool. Or that's why he won. You know, it's not just going, turning left and going fast. There are so many things that are involved in this, in this sport. And so that's what we're trying to do is educate the new fans and entertain the old fans and make sure that they understand going forward. We have to make sure that we deliver the product in a way that people that have never even thought about what watching NASCAR will turn it on. Say, I want to see what's going on. We're going to run a road course, a street course in Chicago. You know, how many people in Chicago have maybe never watched the NASCAR race, but they're going to say, wait a second, that's, you know, on Lakeshore Drive, they're going to race down Lakeshore Drive. You got to be kidding me. That's loud. Um, this is so loud. Yes. <laughs> and and so you, we're going to get a lot of viewers there, but we're also going to get a lot of viewers that are going to say, you know, I've been to Chicago. They're really going to race on, you know, the streets of Chicago. So it's things like that that we have to capitalize on um, and just make sure that people when they tune in, we capture them and we we give them something that they can cling on to. And that's where you always want to tell a story of a driver because it might click with someone. Um, you mentioned you're from New Jersey. You know, so does that mean that Martin Shrek's Jr. is your favorite driver? Maybe not, but at least you've got a connection. You know, yeah. there's there's that connection. And those are things that you My sister-in-law actually likes him because of that. She she and, has no interest in it, but she goes to the race and she's like, "Oh, he's from Jersey," and that's that's it. Yeah, and that's that's how we affiliate with or we associate with a lot of things. Um, that's how you know your hometown sports. I'm not a Panthers fan, but at least I know you know when they talk about Charlotte and the football team and everything here, I can say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm from Charlotte," so I have an association with that. And that's what I think a lot of sports fans do is they associate with something that they're familiar with. And so if we can give little tidbits about each driver, um, Ross Chastain is a farmer. So if we can get farmers to watch and cheer for Ross Chastain, that's awesome. It doesn't matter if he's a watermelon farmer or if he was, you know, out running the combine for in a cornfield. Those are stories that you can connect with an individual. And that's what we try to do on a, just a daily basis is try to connect with the fans and new fans to bring them into the sport. So the sport continues to grow. I love it so much, Rick. This has been amazing. I, I, Thanks, uh, Rob. I'm so appreciative of the, of the whole thing. Where can people find you online? What's the best place to get in touch? Any closing remarks? The floor is yours. Shameless self-promotion time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you, I'm not very savvy when it comes to the social media stuff. I think 
I'm on I'm on Twitter and Instagram, um, Facebook. I don't know how to do all that kind of stuff, but I do I do check it. Um, so you know, I, it's Rick Allen something. Rick Allen Racing, I think on uh, Twitter. Rick Allen TV, maybe on uh, Instagram. Something would do with Rick Allen and NASCAR. You can Google me, and uh, I'll pop up. Uh, and you'll probably hear some of those very interesting catchphrases that I've said <laughs> if you Google me to find out what I've said. It'll be it'll be incredible. Well, <laughs> it and, will be incredible. And if you reach out to him like six or seven times, eventually you could wear him down, and maybe he'll come on your podcast too. So I I appreciate you. Uh, I'm I'm always like worried about you know where's the line with that stuff. I reach out to like Kim Coon so many times. I'm like I hope these people don't think that I'm obsessed with them. I just always want the opportunity to learn. Sure. And, uh, and this has been so cool. So thank you for doing this. I'll let you go. Watching NASCAR on NBC is going to be exponentially more cool. I'm gonna have to wait a little while though. What do you do from now and until then? Do you uh, like what are your obligations like? Is since you're not I love I love golf, so I play as much golf as I can. Uh, I'm very into woodworking, so mm. I build furniture or uh, just do woodworking projects. And nice. my wife and I try to travel. And yeah, you guys are everywhere. I, I was looking today. You're everywhere. We, <laughs> I have a son that uh, is playing professional basketball in Germany and another son that works in the movie industry uh, in California. So I'm nice. going from coast to other countries. So just trying to spend as much time with the family before it's uh, 24-7 NASCAR. I love it. We're going to be best friends in my mind when I see you on TV now. So I appreciate it, brother. That sounds good. Rob, thank you so much. Have a great All right. evening. All right. Take care, Mike.